Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring financial advisors new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement them into your business. This podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place for advisors to grow their minds and businesses. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. With so much competition amongst advisors right now, it's becoming even harder to validate your worth to clients and prospects. Years ago, it was the rush to fee only. Recently, the focus turned to being a fiduciary. Now we're seeing the reemergence of the term holistic advisor. Although this isn't a new term, the meaning is being redefined. To talk about this evolution, we've asked Mike Watson, the head of RAA custody at Axos Advisor Services back to give us his thoughts, as well as the opportunities this puts in front of financial advisors. Welcome back, Mike. Thanks, Doug. It's a pleasure to be back with you today. Great. You've seen the evolution of the financial advisor for a couple of decades now. Would you agree that we're at the next evolution of what it means to be a financial advisor? And if so, is that the holistic advisor? Yeah, you know, you're, you're definitely correct. The financial advisor model has continued to evolve. And I do believe we're in that next chapter of that evolution. Uh, the main reason is that the distinction between practice types is really starting to converge once again. If you think about it, the, you know, if you go way back, uh, the origination of this business really started from, from the wires. And, and if you take a look at what's taking place between the wires, the independent broker dealers and the RA con, uh, custodians, you, you'll see that that convergence is, is taking place once again. And, and that really underscores the importance for RIAs to deliver a different, a different a, excuse me, a differentiated value proposition for, for their clients. Um, and let me be a little bit more specific about that convergence. The, the wirehouse and independent broker dealer firms have, you know, in my opinion, taken notice of the RIA model's success. And they've increasingly expanded the affiliation options to develop more opportunities for advisors to conduct fee-based or, or fee-only business with them. I mean, take a look at what's happening across the industry. Look at some of the independent broker dealers and and the wires, they're, they're adding these particular options. Similarly, they're encouraging their advisors to adopt financial planning and deliver advice instead of just being focused on, on product sales. So that's a big shift that, that's taken place in the industry. Uh, and the entrance of some of the aforementioned, the wires and independent broker dealers into the, the space really infringes on what has historically been viewed as unique to the RIA channel, which is a independent advice-based framework that was centered on financial planning. So before, you know, if that was it, if you were an RIA, you're independent advice-based, really focused on financial planning, that was your differentiator. Uh, however, as that convergence has taken place, it's become really difficult for advisors to just say, hey, I'm an RIA, therefore I'm different. Um, so advisors need to continue to think and, and act more holistically for their clients uh, simply uh, because being an independent RIA is no longer just good enough. Holistic is a big word. I think maybe we should define what this new iteration is. What does it mean to be a holistic advisor in 2022? 
Yeah, that's right, Doug. I mean, definitions are important, uh, especially because so many firms use monikers like comprehensive wealth management, full service financial advice, yeah. holistic goals-based financial planning when, when they're describing their firms. However, when you get past the headline, most are falling short of delivering a, a truly comprehensive offering. Uh, simply put, to be a, a holistic advisor in 2022, you need to be committed to solving all of your clients' financial needs, not just their investment management needs. This is where our industry has a huge opportunity to move beyond the perception of being specialists that a client hires when they want someone to manage their investments to the professional you hire when you're looking for a partner that's gonna assist with all of your major financial decisions, which obviously includes investment management, but certainly not limited to just investments. And Doug, the good news is I know several RIAs that are doing this, uh, but it is currently the exception. My, my thesis and our thesis here at Axos is that similar to how basic financial planning became table stakes for, for most RIAs over the past decade, right? Holistic planning is going to be those table stakes over the next decade. So as we look forward, that's really what it's going to be about. So what does it mean when we say holistic? The best thing to do, this is where like some PowerPoints or something maybe, maybe would be helpful, but let's just try to visualize for a moment. Let's visualize a flywheel. And in the center of that flywheel is, is the client. And around that wheel, uh, you start to think about all the services that an advisor provides. And a holistic advisor is gonna just be able to provide and, and assist their clients with more things, things like, well, obviously there's investment management. We talked about that, but then it's financial planning services. There are a ton of additional planning services that have been adopted over time by financial advisors. If you think back, it started off with retirement planning. This was the original sort of planning service. Tell me how much money you need for retirement and I'll develop a plan to help you get there. And then <clears throat> it was some of the other items. It was, well, you know, I have children. What about college planning? Uh, then it became, well, I have a complicated estate issues and, and trust issues. What about estate planning and tax preparation and, and helping with, uh, with taxes? And now we're starting to see things like business and succession planning, insurance planning, including life insurance and disability insurance and long-term care, uh, including you know, long-term care insurance, social security, Medicare benefits, end of life, including the need for uh, advanced healthcare directors, power of attorney. So it's really getting deeper on the planning side. And then, uh, and then it's some of those adjacencies to just your traditional investment management, uh, discussions around annuities to create a reliable income stream. That's, that's interesting. I'm seeing some of that stuff come back. Budgeting, real estate decisions, emergency funds and cash management, liquidity needs, lending, private banking. So you can see, Doug, becoming a, a holistic advisor really starts with a deep understanding of your client and assisting that client with literally all of their financial decisions. This is about getting deeper with the clients. Uh, and that's how what it takes to be holistic. So what's the value of providing more holistic support for clients? What's the value to advisors? And what's the value for clients? Well, for the... for advisors, I think the value is, is threefold, right? It's, it's first, it's 
It's about retaining those existing clients because they're, they're looking for more and more services. Second, it's about enhancing the abilities to acquire more clients. The, the competition is real. People are doing more. They're going deeper with their clients. How do you separate yourself? How do you attract new clients? And lastly, it's, it, what I'm also seeing is an opportunity for advisors to move up market and serve high net worth families or ultra high net worth families. So from an advisor lens, it's, it's the same story. It's about retaining uh, uh, ability to acquire and it's an ability to, to, to move up market. And from a client standpoint, uh, I think COVID changed things. Uh, generally, generally, the investors have been content with the services that they receive from their advisor. However, COVID has generated more demand for advice. I, I was just looking at a study that was conducted by Phoenix Marketing International, just looking at it uh, uh, just a week or so ago, and it found that 41% of retail investors that they surveyed agree that they need more financial and investment advice than they have in the past. Despite the fact that client satisfaction is still very high at RIA firms, so they're, they're satisfied, but this pandemic has created uh, a need for more financial and investment advice. And it's, it's based on strong market performance, right? The, uh, the market has performed really, really well. Uh, in addition, I think uh, clients have had high savings rates, which contributed to some of their uh, wealth accumulation over the, over the past year. But then you, you couple that with some of these changes to everyday life. I mean, the world is, is a bit crazy right now. And these changes have impacted and altered the in investor circumstances. Some may have lost loved ones, right? Um, maybe they're having to make uh, estate planning decisions based off of some of that. They, they're reprioritizing goals or reevaluating their, their living situations. And advisors have been challenged to meet these new needs. And for some, the existing service set that they provide is just inadequate. So it's, it's on both sides. The, the value is clients are demanding it. The world has changed. Uh, their situations have changed. And therefore, they're needing more from their financial advisors. And, and for the advisors themselves, this is important for them because they want to be able to go deeper with their clients. They want to be able to retain those existing clients. They want to be able to recruit new clients. Uh, but those table stakes, they, they've changed. And they want to be able to move up market and serve higher net worth clients. Recent Broadridge research shows that more than half of current financial advisors say they're increasing their focus on providing holistic solutions, but younger advisors are more than four times more likely than older advisors, 55 plus, to perceive these services as high value. I think that's quite telling. Do you? Yeah, I do. And it's, uh, it makes, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, Instead of segmenting by, by age, let's le reframe it, this question by you know, business stage, because it's the same thing. Uh, I think it, that's really where the, the correlation exists. You see many of the incumbent RIAs, you know, the older RIAs, they're well-established. They're also in the sunset of their careers. We've all heard you know, industry statistics around the, you know, the median age of financial advisors. It's north of 55. It's been, it's been there for a pretty, you know, for the last 10 years or so. Um, 
And those firms that are in the sunset of their careers, they're, they're less adept at making significant changes to their business at this point because expansion of services, if you don't have the right business partners, could very well lead to increase in staffing costs, right? So a lot of advisors want to do this internally. Those increased costs lead to reduced profitability. Okay, that makes sense. Well, that also turns into a reduced valuation multiple when it comes time to sell the practice. So I think it's a little bit difficult for these more mature advisors that are in the sunset of their career that are thinking about that transition and the next step. And is it going to be an internal transition or are they looking for some external sort of partners? So I understand why the, the, the older generation, I guess, are a little bit less likely to add additional services. But the younger advisors, they see the lifetime value that holistic solutions can provide to their firm because they're on the opposite side of that business planning continuum than the, these sort of incumbents, these more mature advisors. The younger uh, advisors, they know that their clients expect more than just investment management sprinkled with some light financial planning, uh, particularly the, the younger generation of investors. So to resonate with a younger investor segment, RIAs may need to retool their services, uh, pricing, and, and their overall engagement model. This has been a tall task for the incumbent RIA firm that still tends to cater to the younger investor's parents, quite honestly. So it's well known that you can only serve so many clients at the high net worth. It's 30 to 35. And this is kind of a continuation on the last question. Isn't adding more services becoming more integrated in your service offering of better value for your time management, your bottom line, and maybe most importantly, the trust of your client? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, I speak with tons of advisors every, every week, and the motivation that's driving advisors to go deeper with their clients and become holistic is not share of wallet, it's not revenue, it's really simply value. It's about the quality of advice that they can provide their clients versus the quantity of advice. Advisors wanna go deep because it helps them retrain, uh, re retain, attract and, and move up market. Like I was talking about, the slippery slope for RIAs is how they go about executing on expanding their service offering to become more holistic. Uh, advisors are, are most likely to try to support these additional services with internal human capital resources. That's what they always do. You know, we need to add more planning services. Okay, let's add more planners. We need to uh, go deeper with clients. We want to start looking at tax preparation. We're going to bring that, that in-house. Those things can really squeeze profit margins. These, these expenses typically lower the, the firm's margins. So advisors find themselves at risk of margin compression unless they're able to offset those service-related expenses with new client acquisition or additional revenue opportunities. Now, the good news for, for RIAs is that there are partners out there. There are people like us, and we're not the only ones uh, here at Axos, that can assist advisors with the expansion of services without the mandate to add additional headcount. So it's really a, an exercise in, in finding the right partners uh, so that you don't have to bring this stuff in-house, but you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, we all have capacity issues, and advisors have an opportunity to, to scratch below the surface 
and go much, much deeper than they have in the past uh, with those clients, which leads to improved client satisfaction, uh, more referrals from, from those clients to other clients that are similar, and the ability to, to increase revenues for the firm, but add more value to, to clients. And, and really, that's what this is all about. What are you seeing at Axos Advisor Services? What products and services are advisors taking advantage of to expand their offering? Well, we have a bank. So deposit and lending solutions are, are usually the first thing <clears throat> that advisors inquire about at, at Axos, uh, both for the advisor themselves and the clients they serve. Uh, Securities-based lines of credit, mortgages, specialty loans. Those are the top three areas that we're hearing from advisors for, for their clients. So a lot of really on the, on the lending side. For advisors themselves, we're getting a lot of requests for, for working capital uh, loans, loans to facilitate M&A. We talked about the aging advisor population. You take a look at what's happening with the market. There are a lot of folks that are sort of wondering if now is the, the right time for them to sell their, their practice. So we're getting lots of inquiries about M&A loans. Business banking solutions, I'd say, is another. Most advisors have a business bank in which they're working with. Uh, so they're asking us if, if there's some solutions we have there, which we offer. And then the last one, which is kind of interesting, is uh, digital advice and, and robo solutions for the RIA's smaller accounts or, or next generation of accounts. And it gets back to what we were talking about previous, previously, uh, which is really just the, the next generation of investors are looking for uh, more services, additional types of services, and how that advice gets delivered uh, needs to be re-examined versus how it was delivered uh, for, for their parents. So digital advice is another sort of big one that we're hearing from advisors. Uh, we're also getting tons of inquiries <clears throat> looking for tools and other resources to help with, with budgets and other major uh, purchase decisions. It, advisors are really looking to uh, make tools and other things available for their clients so they can have more meaningful conversations uh, with their clients and really get to sort of what's important to, to them. We know fee only is really important to many advisors, but there's products that were viewed as good, then not so good, and now good again, like annuities. And then there's insurance products. Should these be considered as well? Yes, I'm glad you mentioned these products. Yeah, I had a little bit, I'm, I'm a bit of a RA purist and uh, similar to what you're seeing, I thought the same thing. You know, these are bad products, good products, bad, good again. And we've seen a significant amount of requests related to insurance and income solutions like annuities. Uh, and advisors should keep an open mind and, and be solutions-based, just like any other type of product investment products come in favor, they fall out of favor, largely because of new products that come along and sort of disrupt those existing products. Advisors need to make sure they're staying current with the latest and greatest solutions that are out there, which may be of benefit for their clients. I'm no expert in annuities or life insurance, but I have certainly seen an uptick in inquiries related to these types of solutions. Uh, so yes, I do believe uh, that these should be considered as well. And advisors just need to do their due diligence and make sure that they're finding the right solutions that are appropriate for their clients. But it all begins with really digging into those client relationships, 
understanding, asking really good questions to understand what we're trying to solve and then finding those products or services that are going to be appropriate for those clients' needs. Having never done anything like this before, offering banking products, for example, how does an advisor get started? What are the steps, best practices to success? Is, is there a pathway for an advisor to look at their current offering and decide what pieces to add and when? In order to, to be holistic or to do this, it's not that complicated, honestly. It starts with having command and control over the client relationships. Uh, advisors must continue to go deeper, ask better questions, just engage more with clients. We're, we're seeing this already. Uh, as I mentioned, I think COVID, you know, for all the things that were negative about it, I, I think it, it has changed how advisors are engaging with their clients. I've seen some uh, just incredible stories uh, of advisors doing some amazing things for, for their clients, uh, especially during, during COVID. It, it just opened up a whole new can of worms uh, for the client advisor relationship than I think had even existed before. And so it's, it's really, it starts with having a really solid relationship with the client, going deeper with those clients. This is not super complicated. It's, it's really putting the client in the center, asking questions and thinking about all those different services that you can light up around the flywheel. And keep in mind, I mean, every client is going to be different. So you advisors really need to sort of think of that flywheel as sort of the, the least common denominator. And you have all of these different options that really in, encapsulates your entire client base. And then you start to think about as you're, uh, as you're meeting with each of your clients, you sort of think about that flywheel and you, and you ask those really pointed questions to understand, is this going to be applicable for, for this client? Do they have a long-term care need? Uh, do they have an insurance need? Do they have um, a, any planning needs? Am I asking the right question. So it's, I don't think this is super complicated. I think this is the natural progression that we're seeing take place within our industry. Advisors are already adopting more planning services. Uh, again, I think I saw something in a Cerulli report, it's something like not, over 90% of advisors are offering some level of planning services. And that's going to increase to, I think, 98% over the next couple of years. So Advisors are already engaging in these conversations. It's just about going a little bit deeper. And this is gonna be this trajectory that I think our industry continues to be on. As we face new uh, global threats, things around health and safety, that has financial implications and advisors need to be mindful of what's taking place in the world and how that is impacting clients and their, their need for financial and investment advice. So it's, again, not complicated. Take a broader view, ask more, uh, more specific questions, uh, and think about the, that flywheel as all-encompassing uh, for all the clients. But all, also keep in mind, each individual client situation is different. So there may be 12 areas around that flywheel, but some clients, maybe you're only lighting up three or four. Others, maybe all 12 are, are, are getting lit up. I really like the flywheel. And as always, looking at the industry from the investor's point of view, is this trend a good one for the investor? 
I think this is fantastic for the investor. Think about it. I mean, it's the investor is largely satisfied, highly satisfied with their RIA relationships. It's all time high in, in client satisfaction. Yet advisors are continuing to, to add services. They're not adding these services as a way to sort of increase income or in, increase revenue. They're doing this because their clients need it. Man, that's fantastic. Uh, that makes that really brings a smile to, to my face, Doug. As you and I have talked about before, I think our industry uh, needs to continue to remind itself why we're here. You know, we're here to serve end clients. We have these advisors have a, a tremendous responsibility, and I know they take it very seriously. And it, when I start to see that the expansion of services and the the reasoning behind this expansion of services is really the client is at the center of these decisions. It's not a, how do I squeeze some more revenue? It's how do I go deeper? How do I have more impact on my client relationships? The competition is, is mandating this, but this is a fantastic thing for our industry. And it's a very good trend for the investor. That's great. Mike, thanks so much for being with us today. I'm really looking forward to the next one. Yeah, my, me too, Doug. Thank you. Please follow us for all the latest updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everybody at Advisorpedia, our producer, Jakey Beard, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikinen.